everyone. How is everyone doing today? And today's guest, besides Mr. Bautista, is the county judge, Ricardo Samimego. How are you doing, sir? Real good. Always a pleasure, George. Mr. Bautista. Be on the end, Mr. Bautista. Thank you. I'm doing. I'm doing fine. <laughs> Looking forward to to talking to Mr. Samaniego. Like always, he's he's a, a splendid individual. Yeah, and, and, and now that he's not uh, running with any competition, I'm sure he's all kinds of relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, Mr. Samaniego, thank you so much. I know you're an extremely busy man for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, you know, me and you we go back a, a few years, uh, and that's why I think we have that relationship that. You know, you do want to talk to your your constituents, you know, and we do appreciate that coming on board. Absolutely. Yeah, you've been a, a great advocate, you know, for any type of, uh, you know, inability or accessibility. And uh, that's been really important to us. And I know we're going to be talking about what the county's doing and maybe what the county's not doing. It will be as, as honest and candid as possible. And, and we'll, uh, we're, I've been known to say what I think and, and sometimes it's not as, you know, as, as nice as I would like to see it. I think there's so many things we could do. So I'm open to any kind of discussion, Georgia, on, on anything that you feel could be uh, taken away from accessibility. It's, it's very important. And what it is, mm-hmm. is, is also, Mr. Samanitos, and those who are watching and listening, is that this is a point I want to make regarding when it comes to our quote, unquote, elected politicians, that they'll say things and not follow through. And I've, me and Mr. Bautista, unfortunately, have gone through that many, many of times. And I can honestly say, Mr. Samanigo, you pledge that, you know, to us, people with disabilities, that you're going to make the environment better. And, and I think you're, you, well, of course, COVID came in. So that kind of took everything off track. You know, we really can't, these past two years have been really different. And hopefully it never happened again. But, you know, so with you, Mr. Samanigo, we're just going to talk about some general stuff regarding accessibility. But first of all, before we start the whole conversation, what do you see yourself, Mr. Samanigo, the, the three overall general important things that need to be addressed now in the county going forward? Well, you know, I've been waiting, uh, sort of desperately waiting that I don't become uh, Mr. Pandemic Man or something. Or, or <laughs> all, I, all I do is fight the pandemic. And, and, you know, I come with a huge background in psychology, mental health. I've run large organizations. I've been an instructor at universities, and so I have a wide range of of a background that, that I would love to be able to utilize. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, I came in and we had the uh, the, the death of uh, Peter Herrera, one of our deputies, so uh, in March, about a month into my yes, that's into true, my term. And then we had the refugee crisis, and we had almost 180,000. Uh, refugees come through here when we were so generous as a community, but it was extremely overwhelming. Uh, then we had August 3rd, as you know, I've pretty much a spearhead the healing garden and uh, try to do something in, in to honor them. And then all of a sudden we get the pandemic. And the pandemic has been going on almost two and a half years. And it's gone from, you know, sort of we're waiting. We're very happy. Uh, you know, everybody else had uh, started uh, the numbers in Texas, all over Texas. And we were, you know, uh, we could understand they were not coming into El Paso. Uh, it took a little bit, about almost two months before we started with uh, with travel spread. It's like that. And then went into community spread. And uh, so we went from that to one of the highest, uh, if not in the world. At one point, yeah. uh, our numbers were incredible. 
And so, you know, this, uh, I have a huge background in mental health, which is obviously going to be very important and uh, economic development. You know, I worked for Cementos at Chihuahua for 16 years as the vice president of the U.S. division. And we opened, probably acquired over 30, 40, uh, you know, companies. And we built several huge facilities, one for 450 million in Pueblo, Colorado. And and then we bought a cement plant in Rapid City. And so I, I got to learn about you know, how do you go into a community and how do you create uh, the, the synergism to, to be successful? And so, so those are the things, but my, my biggest, my, one of my biggest platforms is obviously mental health. Yes. And mental health, because as we come out of the pandemic, there was a tremendous amount of delay in treatment and people were isolated and people are scared. You know, when people are scared and not know what this world and you don't have a sense of control, of, of your world and you don't know what's going to happen or when the next virus is coming, it creates a depression, uh, indecision, and uh, you see it in relationships now, you see it in, in, in um, the violence, uh, people driving pretty, you know, uh, aggressively on the road, our, our crime has increased, uh, homicides have increased, and, and suicides have, have become, you know, greater than ever. And so mental health is going to be a tremendous and it's one of the most difficult, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Savala, Mr. Batista, it's one of the most difficult because it's very subtle. You know, it's sort of, you don't realize that people are going through difficult times. They display it in so many ways that it's, it's just difficult. People are anxious and depressed and, and it doesn't all come out. It, it, you know, it sort of hides in some of our behaviors and relationships and uh, domestic violence has become a big issue because of, uh, you know, people just being, when they were locked up and in, you know, intensity and all that. So that's one of the biggest. The other one is, um, is to look at uh, economic development. There's two elements that I think are very positive. One of them is the aerospace district. Uh, we have one of the biggest possibilities of being uh, one of the best aerospace districts in the country. And we're using Fabens Airport. Uh, we, were, we got the, uh, the most improved airport in in texas just uh, last year and uh, we've been developing that airport uh, but a lot of research uh, the relationship is with utep dr shadari is heading that up he's one of the most recognized aerospace uh, you know scientists in, in the country and he's here at utep has been here for a lot of years and very much in love with el paso uh, and so we have a that and we have the torneo which is a drone park that is going to be very valuable so I'm, I'm really keeping an eye on that because somebody needs to be nurturing it and making sure that it's going in the right direction uh, the other one um, is is the parks and recreation uh, or master plan Escarat is going to be a very dynamic incredible you know central park i mean we've got ideas like a bridge over the water so that you could you know take pictures be up there uh, you've got um, uh, you, you've got the opportunity to have an amphitheater. Uh, we already redid where Western Playland used to be. Uh, we've redone that, and it's going to – we've had some big concerts there with gravel. They <laughs> have no bathrooms, and, and they mm -hmm. still liked it. And so now the improvements to the lake, uh, the connectivity. Um, and then, of course, um, uh, you know, tourism. You know, tourism is going to be very important. Heritage tourism is going to be very important. Uh, for example, tomorrow I'll be the guest speaker at uh, Six Guns and Whiskey has a, uh, a series mm. to Netflix that's gonna be shown. 
and it's a fundraiser. We're having it in San Elisario, and it's a beautiful place. It's uh, Pistoleros. It's got a, um, a, a like a dinner theater that most people don't know about. And so I think about sixty percent of the people that are going to go there have never been there. Hmm. And that's the one with uh, Bernie Sargent. Pardon? Is that the one with Bernie Sargent and his wife, Melissa Sargent, uh, the Six Guns? No, 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 this is, they do reenactment. It actually, George, what it was, it was an actual situation of a shooting, uh, sort of the, like the Western kind of thing in the 1890s. Okay. And they're going to use that as the plot because, you know, we all, you know, it's White Earp and, you know, all these uh, Jesse James and, yep. Uh, yep. but this one is an actual sheriff that decided to take care of things for himself and, and control violence and, and uh, didn't do it in the best possible way, but the series is going to be sort of an, an offshoot of that, what happened there. It's called, I think it's uh, uh, Four Dead in Two Seconds. It's, okay, it's, yeah, I've heard of that. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah. So very excited because uh, I think we, know, we, we're, we don't love our community as much as we think we do. We know, I know we love being here and all that, but when 57% of the tours in San Elisario were, were done by individuals outside of El Paso, when I first heard that number, I said, wow, that's pretty good, 57. Then I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> more people from, from outside are, are, are seeing, are coming to San Elisario. So the heritage tourism, we got everything we need, guys. We got uh, the, the oldest missions in the country. We've got, uh, you know, the church in San Elisario. We've got all of these things. And if you, I don't know if you've noticed, but some incredible restaurants have been coming up, like Charlatan which is a, an infusion of Japanese and Mexican food mm-hmm. uh, that, that's uh, unbelievable. I'm out of this world kind of taste. I mean, just your palate just sort of burst because of this infusion. <laughs> and so you've got Casa Ortiz, you've got a movie theater that was back in the 1890s that has been remodeled. Uh, so I've always said, you know, when it comes to tourism, we have everything all the ingredients on the table. We just need to bake the cake now. And there you go. The yeah, the ingredients. You know, yes, sir. We, we can't. We don't have to create them or make them up. I mean, they, they exist. Uh, so that one, the other one that is really important to me is veterans. I've been working very hard. Uh, you know, I'm 82nd Airborne. We just honored a baptism who fought in World War II, Korean War, and Vietnam. And uh, he was wounded in each one of them. So we have amazing veterans. He, he passed away last month. But we have people like, uh, you know, the, the veterans, uh, Isaac Camacho, for example, who's an uh, iconic, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, a prisoner of war and escaped uh, during the Vietnam War for, for you know, almost a year at a time. And, uh, you know, it, it's just amazing what we have here. We've got flags over America. We've got great museums. So uh, I've got been working on this idea of making uh, El Paso the veterans capital of the United States. And we don't have a moniker. You know, we're the Sun City. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say much, but if you say veterans capital of the U.S., now you've got veterans coming through I-10 that would be very interested and say, well, you know, let me see what it looks like. The, the catch here is that we have to uh, sort of entitle it ourselves, you know, put our crown and say we're the veterans capital of the U.S., and then we have to defend it. Because, you know, like, you know, Hatch, Chile, you know, uh, you know, the Chile capital of the world, um, you know, they are that great, but uh, nobody told them that. They they just took it. Yep. Uh, look at look at the San Antonio Gateway to Mexico, 120 miles away, and <laughs> yes, Mexico. They beat us to that one. Uh, so we have a, a great opportunity to do that. And, and of course, um, uh, one of the things that I want to make sure that 
that your your audience <clears throat> understands is that I have made sure that one of our lanes as as a county, you know, as a county judge and 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 I know that the commissioners who do a great job as well is accessibility. And that means accessibility means that in a lot of different ways. Accessibility to our parks, accessibility to transportation, accessibility to healthcare, you know, accessibility to broadband. I mean, it, it just allows so much when, when I say accessibility, and then of course, you know, accessibility to our parks, you know, that the people, uh, at first when we, we talked about, a, you, know, a, you know, full accessibility uh, a park or, or playground, uh, we were thinking of people maybe that were disabled or special needs. And, but one of the, the, the ones that were blocked from enjoying our parks was a grandfather who took his <clears throat> grandson to the park, but he had to stay, you know, almost, you know, 100 or 200 yards away because he couldn't get into the park because, mm -hmm. of, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, amenable to, to going into the park. Uh, so that really, I really enjoyed that and working with, uh, you know, moms on board and uh, they, uh, you know, Adrian Moody, uh, just uh, unbelievable what she's done and trying to get us to do that and matching the numbers. And, uh, you know, we have the, the wild parks uh, recreation, the wildlife and parks recreation. They, they've been so generous. Uh, and one of the reasons that it fits into our master plan is because the pandemic took a lot of things away from us, a lot of things away from us. And we, you know, painful, we're now 3,340 uh, people that have died, but it didn't take the outdoors away from us. And so one of the big focuses that we have is that people can go outdoors and do everything possible. We have another virus that can say, hey, you know, we, we didn't do that very well, as you remember, there in McCallican Canyon and on, on Trans Mountain Road, uh, people were lining up because they wanted to come out of the house, but uh, we weren't ready for them. The parks closed down. Uh, it was difficult on Alabama. People were getting on the street and it was dangerous. And uh, so now we know better that if we do go into that, you know, a situation like that, we have to have parks and trails that allow people and, 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 and people that have, you know, disabilities that, that, you know, that we need to make sure that they're not left out. And, and so we, it's a big, uh, one of the things I've said, we should never ever look at anything anymore in the county and I encourage obviously a great relationship with the mayor that there should never be anything that we don't think about everybody, that everybody should be able to enjoy it. But one of my premises is that that we have, that no one in the county should be any different from anyone else because they happen to live somewhere else. So I don't want somebody that lives in Tornillo that has a different quality of life because he doesn't happen to live on the west side. You know, we want our parks to be as, you know, at one time you could be, it was obvious, this is a city park and this is a county park. Yeah. And the county parks were not, you know, well received. I, I think we're now... Uh, one of the best parks, and if you look at Escarate in the Gulf, um, there a lot of people are preferring to play at Escarate because of all the changes, <clears throat> and features, and all the things that are there. And then it's sort of iconic to be, if you're from out of town and you're playing golf at Escarate, then you turn to your left and you see, wow, across that highway is Mexico. 
you know, and then they could see the X and they could see yeah. you know, that they're there. So anyway, I mean, that's a general kind of a broad stroke uh, of what I'm trying to accomplish at this time. Uh, but obviously welcome um, your questions and, and, and any other thing that I can help to, to give a, a better sense of what I'm trying to accomplish and also the commissioners and, and, and the, uh, the actual, all the commissioners and, and, and the county employees, uh, amazing individuals um, that, that work for the county and we're ready to, to do what's best. Uh, I think I want to touch on... Go ahead. Well, there's, there's two things I wanted to touch on real quick. Sure. And, and this is a question to you and on a personal level. Going back to the very first thing you said about mental health, how was it for you? And that's, I'm not sure if I asked you the first time. We've had you several times, so I'm not sure if I asked you this question. Mm-hmm. But how was it for you personally to see the, the the trailers when all those individuals had passed from COVID, and you had to we had, we had to unfortunately store, store those individuals in and coolers and trailers. How did you go home from that? How I mean? How did you? How did well, you? you know, I- my, my training as a mental health clinician and having worked in very, really difficult situations and I also worked at the Maquiladora where there were times where, you know, we had to go out there and actually dig the, you'd get to the, to the cemetery and they'd pass you a shovel and you start digging. And then it was really, I mean, like there'd be rock, right? So there was a wooden casket and then you would throw the first pile of dirt and it was a rock and you could hear it break. And so, uh, I have been in, in those situations, and um, it's not that you get cold or anything, but then you learn how to process it, and then you use that as, as a way to give you energy and passion to be able to address. So I knew that our community could not see that, and I was being challenged about, you don't, you, know, you don't like businesses, you're closing them down, and, but I'm the one that had to, to deal with the trailers and knowing that my friends, some of my friends at one time I had, a friend that was inside the the trailer and you know i got a call that that you know that he had passed with you did i know where he was and it just so happened that i was there and then i you know you see the names and uh so it was very difficult but i knew that if i started to panic or if i started to show any any sense of that you know concern or or look stressed and uh that it was going to impact and, and i think the community at that time needed someone that you feel comfortable with that would be able to address those situations. And, and if I, I've always said that children look at, their, at the eyes of their parent to see how that parent sees the world. And if that parent sees the world as scary and you know, traumatic and the child grows up like that. And so I remember that very vividly in my studies and in, in working with children and, and not that the community were children, but they were like sort of similar. The parent has a view of the world, right? And the child has a limited view of the world. So that same concept is that I had a good view of what was going on that was very limiting to the communities. So they were looking at me to see how I was going to handle that. And so I remember you know, very difficult uh, situation, uh, very passionate. I got very passionate. I mean, uh, that I had to, you know, when the governor or Paxson, you know, the lieutenant or uh, the attorney general <clears throat> questioned my, my motives or questioned what I was doing, um, I just remembered always saying, you know, if they came in and walked through the trailers, we had a, even as much as 900 
in trailers. And then sometimes a trailer, a trailer would break down. And that trailer, we had to shift everyone. So our, our staff and everyone would have to shift the people in that trailer to the other trailers. And you can Gosh. imagine that when the times that you're there, that that's happening. Or when I was there a couple of times where you would see five bodies come in and four bodies leave, you know. And so I, I never want to forget that, George. That's a great question because that's what keeps me wanting to fight that we don't have the next pandemic. Um, you know, my my motto has been, or something I always say is that, you know, you know, we've got these 330, 300, uh, 3,340 people that have died. We need to keep them in the rear view. <clears throat> we have to keep them in the rearview mirror, but we yeah. don't want to make that U-turn. We never want to go back there. And people sure. say, well, you know, we've got the vaccine and all that, but people are not taking their booster. Their protectionist is declining. And people are very comfortable, and, and they should be, you know, where people are, the numbers are very low. There's very little hospitalization. But as our numbers, as our protection drops, then and we get another virus, we could be pretty quickly into the same situation of people dying. And you have to remember that we're in a community that we have diabetes, uh, one of the highest in, in, in Texas, if not in the country. Uh, the highest in obesity, we have the highest in, in heart uh, issues. So we're a very vulnerable community. And so when we get hit with a virus, you know, some there were some places that lost a third with the same population. They lost 400 people when we lost 3,400 people. And so yeah. that, you know, that sort of keeps uh, sort of uh, there embedded in my in my brain that that I that I they know they know very few had the opportunity to really see what was going on. We, you know, we're at home, we're streaming, we're net, you know, Netflix kind of thing, and we're not uh, really understanding the situation. So, you know, you know, born and raised, very passionate. I'm the youngest of nine. Uh, all, all of them except the first one born with a midwife there by Ari Thomason Hospital, which is now UMC. So, you know, tremendous links with Juarez, you know, I had to, you know, family, I, you know, in the political world, I had two great grandfathers that were governors of Chihuahua. You know, my dad didn't get to go to school. So you have these extreme situations of, of being very affluent and then being very poor and, and coming to the barrio. So uh, I, I just, I don't know, I felt like, like I was the right person at the right time. And, um, and I don't say that arrogant or, 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 you know, bragging rights. I just felt that God had put me in a situation, but had given me the background from the mental health and my degrees and, and working with companies and working with businesses. So, you know, I got accused that I didn't care about businesses because we shut them down for 14 days. But I mean, I shut down my businesses for almost three times more than, than, than was required. So anyway, I know it's a long response to your question. No, it's okay. It's okay. And then my other question would be, um, so going kind of, Touching on to the the um, the playground was, and I applaud you, you know, the county for doing that because what what, what happens is if someone with a disability or a mobility, you know, let's let's go there, someone mm -hmm. with a mobility uh, impediment, they go to a park. They don't care if it's county or park or city, but we want to make that experience more translucent from the city to the county. And with this new all abilities playground. At the Scarlet, I think that in, that invites more people to the to the 
to the park because before they just say, yeah, well, I'm not going to go there. I couldn't, I can't go there. But now with this new park, hopefully it'll be, you know, bring more people to the park because I do applaud you for that because we want to include those individuals no matter what, like you said earlier. And especially if we have a mobility impediment, that how fair is it, folks? Let me real quick, just to put it in perspective. Let me ask you this. How would you feel if you was your, your grandson or your, or your daughter or your son and you will make it to basics? You broke your leg at work. Now you, you have to use a walker or you're in a wheelchair for temporary time. Not permanent, temporary. You go with your kid and you can't go with them. They're mm-hmm. way out there playing, hey, dad, hi, mom. And you're like, wow, I can't go in there because it's not accessible. How do you think that they feel? So I do applaud you for making that initiative to move great, forward with that. analogy, George. And the other thing is people need to realize that those <clears throat> accessibility uh, uh, playgrounds cover all the five senses. Mm-hmm. You know, we want people to be able to touch, be able to, to move, or be able to smell. I mean, we try to do something where people can get the full exposure of our senses. And, and, and you know, it, it's very important. One of the things that I really love that I didn't quite understand until we got, I got more involved in it is that when a child sees another child that's struggling and, and they, they, they're comfortable with it, they're playing with them because when you're playing, you break up all those paradigms, right? You're just playing. You're not thinking, you know, the color or size or nothing. I mean, or he's disabled, if he's in a wheelchair, you're just having a, you're trying to play. That's all you want to do. And then, when they somehow, if they were able to reach and help, then you really break that barrier because one of the things that happens the way we interact with disability is that we're not used to it. You know, we stay away from it. We don't want to be close to it. We don't want to know that that someone has a disability, you know, so we try to get away from it. But when you interact kids at a very young age and they're interacting and they're helping another child and they see that child struggle and they're able to climb because, you know, you're not, it's not just for people with disabilities. Obviously, it's going to be everyone. And so mm-hmm. Paul is climbing up and he sees himself climbing up and sliding down and he sees a child struggling. Man, that he becomes a little bit more more conscientious about that child and about disabilities. And, and, and to me, it's like everything, whether it's, um, it's racism, whether it's hatred. It all comes from not having the awareness and the exposure, and that scares people. You know, if, if I've, you know, if, if I've, I hadn't had uh, you know, my, you know, black students in my school, you know, I went to Jefferson, and if I didn't, my best friends, and they played football with me, I, I don't even understand what this thing racial is or why they're why I would treat someone different because they, they're in my house, we played football, we loved them, we're friends, we, they got. They baptize with us, and so you learn how to to be in that situation with, and you're not awkward or uncomfortable at all. So one of the things that I saw was children hadn't thought how how much better it was going to be not only for the child that that has the you know the immobility, but but the child that doesn't is going to gain a lot from that experience. Yes, sir, Mr. Happy. Uh, <clears throat> my question is. I have two questions, but let me give you just this question. Sure. Um, when uh, when you're working with the you know like the parks and recreations and, and activities, uh, do you uh, uh, do you go and and find uh, people who deal with disabilities or 
example, the youth, you know, you involve people with disabilities to participate in the planning or the uh, development, developing of the, uh, the, you know, the programs that you're trying to produce. Yeah, we ask uh, for all kinds of, and, and sometimes it'll be like last time we had several people on wheelchairs that were there at the at the communication, <clears throat> and they get to express their excitement about you know being able to to utilize the parts and, uh, but I think we need to do a little bit better job of of having a network, uh, and I think this is where where I think we're lacking, is to be able to already, for example, uh, if I have uh, a question. Uh, that, that can help me about accessibility. I know I can reach out to George and say, George, you know, got this situation, or he reaches out to me and says, hey, he'll text me. So, but we need more of that network. We need yeah, more we need, of that network. We need a, uh, I think you need uh, like a committee, a committee com comprised of people with all disabilities because I'll tell you as an educator, the biggest frustration I had was that the principals or um, administrators who knew nothing about a, uh, special education had the, 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 you know that they they were the ones with the authority to decide what was good for for people with disabilities, and not knowing, you know, uh, what they uh, what they were doing, they still made those decisions. And I I'd like to see you know uh, even the the city you know to if they're going to develop a park or a, a you know like the, some of us blind people play um, uh, hockey blind hockey, and and the, the the facility is set up for blind, for sighted people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And 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 they never have they have never asked us blind people. How, you know what what would help you guys to to improve your game or what would help improving just the facility? That's all we want, you know. And uh, we we've never had that. But let me just ask you one one other question that I had in mind because when you were talking about rec about the activities and the the planning of parks and all that. Have you ever had um, any consultation with a New Mexico, I don't know, New Mexico? Cristo Rey is a, a, an excellent place to bring in tourists. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I've been up there and it's beautiful. You can see Mexico, you can see, you know, Texas, you can see, you know, uh, New Mexico. And, and it's, a, it's almost like being up there and, you know, and, and being able to see. Uh, and then plus it's a very... Um, religious uh, situation for us uh has anybody ever tried to do something like that to to form a a, a group of uh to to take tourists up there yeah we we haven't uh, there was some concern with violence and and because yes. we were we're actually in mexico uh you know there's nothing that was blocking it but uh, those are the things are they're great ideas uh, and one of the things that we've seen <clears throat> Is that I know I talked to the to the bishop. He says, "Why are why aren't we enhancing the culture? For example, las peregrinas. Peregrinas are very popular where people yeah. walk from one place to the other. And I've been talking to him about doing that. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't want to blame the pandemic. <laughs> I, think, I, I think everybody blames the pandemic on everything. Yeah. One guy was yeah. telling me, man, my IQ was a little higher, but the pandemic got it lower. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to use that for, for everything. But yeah. one, of, one of the things that we wanted to do <clears throat> to have the peregrinas in, uh, from, from Mexico, we used to, I know my family, uh, we'd go to San Lorenzo and we'd get together and we'd walk from across the bridge and go to San Lorenzo. 
and you know go there because of a promise or that we have made a commitment on something and uh, but th this one, I mean, we've had as many, I think they have, what, 45,000 people in the Dia de la Virgen de Guadalupe uh, that yeah. went up to the uh, to Cristo Rey. And so we have, I, I, what we've done is a lot of things sort of fragmented and not by design, but by accident. And what I'm trying to accomplish is how do we design? Uh, we just finished a binational uh, convention in December. And one of the things that we learned is that we're not capitalizing on the synergism. For example, if people like to climb, then why not climb at, at Hueco Tanks and then climb, go up there to, uh, to Cristo Rey. Uh, but maybe there's things in Juarez to do that have to do with climbing. Or mm -hmm. Los Arenales, for example, they're like White Sands, right? So if people like to go to White Sands, how come they're not thinking, well, you go to White Sands, well, I should also go to Los Arenales and Juarez. That, that would really... So we're learning how to create synergism uh, between uh, everything that we have. We have all of these ingredients that I said earlier, and we don't have to create them. You know, where, where can you possibly be that you're, you know, that you could go, you know, in, in warm weather and you can enjoy the sun here, uh, but then you could drive two and a half hours, three hours and go skiing. Yeah, I mean, then, we have some uh, exceptional things that we just haven't decided to market them properly. Then the other thing is that, you know, what is sort of we panic and we have a virus and they try to fix it themselves and we try to fix things ourselves. And and what I've been saying, Mr. Bautista, is that I don't think we should ever do anything again that doesn't have the word binational in front of it. I don't care yeah. if it's accessibility or addressing, uh, you know, uh, th these lack of accessibilities, we should address it as a binational community. Yes. We almost pretend like if people don't come across and they come across with, with, with disabilities, they come across with wheelchairs, they, uh, they're, they're sight impaired, and you know what? And we're sort of dealing with everything. And, and the more we do of that, the more we erase the, the, the border. I mean, yeah. You know, we need it there because this is where one nation starts and the other one begins. That yeah, should be exactly. the, only, the only reason that we have a border. But why are we falling into to this idea of this fictitious border? It's a fictitious border when it comes to a virus, whether the virus doesn't stop right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I can't cross them, so I don't have my papers, you know. Yeah. It's going to cross. And when, when you talk about disabilities, we talk about we would help each other so much. And I encourage you, George, you know, because you're amazing what you're doing, uh, to to put that binational status. Even La Fiesta de las Flores, you know, it's it's an amazing, you know, we oh, have, yeah. Yeah, great, that's a great place. And they asked me if we should revive it again. I said, Well, I'll help oh, heck you. Yeah. Binational. Binational yeah. Fiesta de las Flores. Otherwise, I'm not gonna help. I said, I'm not gonna yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not gonna support anything where we reinforce this idea that we're separate from each other. We're symbiotically related and everything we're, we're trying to. So anyway, um, uh, Cristo Rey would be one of them. You know, I think we should take a little bit of chance and take some tours to the new places in Juarez. I'm, I'm, I'm creating something here in El Paso. In the next two weeks, we're going to do a, a tour. And we're trying to get, you know, like the senator and, and the mayor from Juarez and the mayor from El Paso and the mayor of Yagashima from Las Cruces and do a tour and, and, and yeah. then have each one of us because of our own connectivity and, and networking and media, 
that we would promote. Hey, I, we, we went to the San Elisario. We went to uh, to Charlatan. We went. So I'm trying to create that synergism between our two communities. Uh, but Cristo Rey, um, I mean, think think of it this way. I mean, where else uh, can you have something that you're standing there in this beautiful cross and everything, and you're yes. in two different counties? Yep. Think about exactly. how we have water in the desert, and it's been 15 years. We've had a white elephant there. No, I mean, when I brought uh, when I brought a uh, uh, judge uh, Judge Nelson Wolf from uh, he couldn't believe it. He thought it had just happened. Like he, I took him to see, and he goes, "When did this happen?" And I go, "No, no, we've had you know 15 years. We had a Western playland here, and you know we let him go." And he goes. Man, if this were in San Antonio, this would be like an amazing place. And I'm thinking, man, what an embarrassment for someone to say, if it were somewhere else, it would be amazing, yeah. but it happens to be in El Paso. Yeah. I'll yeah. never forget that. I'll never forget that. So we have water in the desert. We're three miles away from skiing. We've got Juarez next to us. They have their own Rio Dosa Los Pinos that is amazing. Um, and we haven't put it together. So finally... Uh, we had this binational conference of about over 400 uh, agencies, uh, tourist agencies from all of Mexico. And uh, we're having, we had the first one was in Chihuahua. It did very well. <coughs> Last December was here in El Paso and it went extremely well. And I'm sort of the face to it now. It's going to be in, uh, in Torreon and Coahuila. And, and so we, you know, this is a kind of bringing us all together. And then I think the same thing is what you guys are trying to accomplish, you know? I mean, just put that international and you'll be having such an impact that... Well, uh, let me ask you this, Mr. Samanigo, in closing, because sure. I know you're real busy. But in closing, kind of touch on what Mr. Bautista was saying regarding uh, an AGA committee, advisory committee, because as we, we have, me and you have spoken on this many years ago, yep. is that for me, when I was chair of the committee... Mr. Julio Perez was was the AGA coordinator here in El Paso. His main uh, agenda was when any new park or any new facility or program was to be developed or implemented, he would ask us to reach out to our, like me, I was representing the mayor, you know, reach out to our constituents and ask them, okay, what are you, what's your feedback? And for example, when we advocated for uh, Auto Abilities Park, it was several of us. I mean, Mark. Mark Salasad, you name it, a bunch of individuals that advocated for uh, all abilities park. And and so one was built. The first one was built at Ponder Park. And what Mr. Samanigo was saying, it includes everybody. It's, it's not ex- exclusive, it's inclusive. And I think having an ADA advisory committee on the county level will help transcend our agenda of being more inclusive. But what I mean by that, Mr. Samanigo, is when we had it, that mechanism at the city level, it allows the city to be responsive to that issue. For example, just a quick example. Let's say a bus stop on Montana and Copia was not accessible. Come to the committee, they submit it, submit it as an agenda item. The, the parks and recs, I mean, some metro will come to us. Okay, you know what we're going to address is? We're going to go ahead and put this on the next month's agenda. In other words, it will be a, a, a standing item until that item was rectified. And I think that would help with the county Absolutely. because, you know, you have all these moving parts, but if you have it all centralized, 
it makes a better uh, dialogue and it helps have more follow up. You don't know, you're, uh, I can't tell you how embarrassing it is for me that, that you and I discussed this and that we, you know, I checked in and, and they're telling me, oh, we're doing a study of all the counties and what is it that they're doing. And, and one of the things that we fail to do is to act quickly. I'd rather have an advisory group that we sort of don't know what we're doing and then we work towards, you know, learning than to use this excuse that we're doing a study. I mean, this, doing a study always is, is, is saying I haven't done anything. Yeah. And, so and let, me, let me say something real, real fast about me before I forget. Cause sure, sure, sure. You said something too, what you said about the, the judge, uh, Wolf, coming in and you said that you're embarrassed when you said San Antonio. That's the same thing when like us, people with disabilities, they will say, oh, in Milwaukee or in San Antonio, they have talking um, ticket readers. Or in Dallas, they have this pathway. And I'm like, you know what, that's, that needs to stop where they say El Paso has this. El Paso has that. Sure. And that's when you're talking about the ADA committee or uh, advisory committee. When I had spoke, spoke to the ADA coordinator, Miss Manning, she had told me that. And I said, you know what, how about we do that, like you just said. How about have something here that people can point to say, how about El Paso? Yeah, let's be the no. benchmark. You know, let's not look for a benchmark. We should be. I mean, we got people like yourselves. You know, we got people that have been on this trying to make things happen. We we don't need to go beyond that. You know exactly what needs to be addressed. You know what the situations are, and and we need to to favor our local talent and abilities and people like yourselves. That instead of no, let's go do a study, and let's find out what San Antonio is doing. I mean, uh, I'll give. <laughs> I'll give you an example, Mr. <clears throat> Samaniego. Um, we used to, El Paso and New Mexico, we used to compete in beatball. And I don't know if you're familiar with beatball, but it's blind baseball. And it's one heck of a game when played, you know, with, with, with blind people. And we don't have a space. We don't have a place in, a, a, there's no uh, a, an area, a park area where we could say, you know what, we're going to form a team and we're going we're gonna to go play beatball. There's no place that um, that uh, that we know of that you know we could use is that all we all we have is the school the school's um, football fields or you know and and those are usually not available to or open to us uh, people with disabilities but we used to, I used to come to El Paso when I was playing uh, for Albuquerque and we used to come play ba- uh, beatball baseball over here and it's it's an amazing game uh, we used to even play against the the uh, the city uh, like equivalent to the the baseball team that they have here, and we used to play against them in their stadiums, and the people loved it. Um, they love to see blind people beating beating sighted people who are blindfolded, you know. <laughs> wow. But something like that we don't have, and 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 I, I've always said, well, you know, you know there's nobody that would be perfect for that because we have 420 acres. We we've had like the the Bravos. Uh, came by and uh, Mauricio Ibarra, Consul Ibarra came by and they they said, hey, we need to start uh, promoting uh, soccer, but also for women and young ladies that they could play. Uh, we went we took them to Escarate. We're looking at a facility there, a place that we could use. Uh, they're they're going to promote and, you know, pay a lot of it by, by bringing in the turf and things like that. Uh, I don't know why uh, I hadn't heard about that, Mr. Bautista, but I would love to sort of help you 
connect you with Veronica, and she loves to take these things because El Paso has to, I mean, Escarate has to be a part that is unique in so many ways. To imagine we have a, a Mexican team that's going to be giving sort of classes and, and, and training uh, to develop Hispanics uh, that in soccer and also women. I mean, where does that happen? You've got another country trying to help us develop it. Why? Because that, it's a talent that's in Mexico, uh, but U.S. is barely developing uh, soccer in, here in the United States. I mean, they're amazingly great, uh, but it, when you look at the women part of it, it's not. And so these, these are the kinds of things that lends itself to a huge park. I mean, we have uh, our master plan, uh, you know, we're pretty surprised that we have more land than we have ideas. I mean, you look at uh, 420 acres and all that to the west uh, side, I'm sorry, the east side of the park uh, where the basketball courts are. I mean, it's pretty much unused in that area. Uh, the backside to the south, I mean, we're going to have a, a really nice, uh, uh, you know, marquee that's going to be telling what's going on. There's a huge marquee on the border highway and uh, but we have the space and the land, and so we just need to entertain everyone. And I think that's something that, that you know, Veronica would love to hear about. Uh, we've gotten calls for things like pickleball, and you know, because yeah, you know, pickleball, yeah, 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 that's every really generation neat. is getting excited about that. And so we're, we're willing to look at anything, and then we're very fortunate, like I said, the, the, the land of availability, and it could be multi, you know, you could have a soccer field and have. What you're looking for, Mr. Bautista, and have it in, in the same place if, if, if required. Just make sure we do whatever it takes. So yeah, I think it's got it. It's going to lend itself uh, for for some great things, and I would love for you to add that as, as part of the uh, of our presentation. We haven't closed down the community feedback, uh, and, let, and let me say one of the things that I've seen that people are no longer tolerating is that you bring something to them that hasn't been vetted by the community. Before they would say, aquí está, mira, te va a gustar, hombre. Don't like it. I mean, we, don't, we can't do that anymore because our community is saying, no, I don't care how good it is. If you didn't bring it to us, it ain't going to happen. And one of the perfect examples of that, I was able to acquire through, uh, through the district attorney, uh, Jaime Esparza, a piece of land that used to be uh, it's hard, I don't like to mention the name, but it was a naked harem and it was confiscated and, and, and it was taken away and the city and the county had it. And then I got involved and they gave it to me as a mental health project. And um, we worked on it and we were getting a little ahead of ourselves. We realized, hey, we've got to get our community involved here. So we got our community involved and we had a, a Saturday where they filled out all these surveys we asked questions, we interviewed people, uh, we spent the whole day, it was a little, it started to be a little cold, uh, but uh, it was a great day. We had the jumping balloons, the climbing thing that, you know, kids love, uh, we had music, we had, and people talked about what they wanted to see. The community told us something, a, a strong message, hey, we're tired that everything, you bring in things for drug abuse and, you know, people rehabilitation, and, and that's fine, but man, don't, don't abuse us on that. We've got everything in Alameda. And so what about a community-type center? How come? And we, so we did a rendition uh, that's going to come out later, but that was a perfect example of you've got to work with your community and make sure that you're 
taking everyone's consideration. Everyone. Yes, sir. And that's what we'd love to do. In your case, um, I love what you're saying. We should have a group of people already saying, you're going to do this? How is that going to impact uh, any type of disability? And have people available to give us that feedback. And so... My name, um, name is... Name, I know you have to go, Mr. Samanigo. Um, in closing, what would you like your constituents to know regarding your plans or what the next step is? Because I know the elections are coming up, but that's not really a... Uh, a discussion thing here, but what do you plan to do? Uh, or let me say this, what do you want to tell your, your constituents? Well, first of all, I want to thank them because there was a time when I needed their help. I didn't, I couldn't, they took away curfews away from me, mandates away from me. They, I, I went into a, to the war and they took my rifle away. You know, like, okay, <laughs> yes, sir. Go to war here, take the, give, give me a rifle, you know. And so I had to plead to the community to help me. Hey, put the mask on. Hey, you know, social distancing, stay at home, you know. And all of a sudden, we, we went from the worst to the best. We, we reached a herd immunity uh, before anybody did. I think we were second in the United States and first in Texas to reach a herd immunity at 70%. So what I want to ask is that I'm hoping that somehow I build the credibility to be able to say, okay, the pandemic's over, but there's other things we have to do. For example, this idea of loving Juarez or taking <laughs> care of them, I need them to support that. At first, when we did, uh, I was I spearheaded the 33,000 uh, vaccines that, uh, that took place on Tornillo. There was a little bit of resistance. I almost mm -hmm. had to say, hey, the only reason people supported it really was because when I said, you know what? we're doing this because eventually these people are going to come into your community and that got them all motivated, which is okay. But there was a humanitarian component. We keep, we know, we bring billions of dollars of business comes through what is through El Paso and, and vice versa. And, and then we didn't want to be humanitarian. And so we're now looking at 150,000 children where they don't have the vaccine between the ages of, of five and 11. And we do. And so we're going to help them. And I want the community to feel good about that, you know, feel good that, that, I'm, that I'm trying to do the right thing. And so that, to me, I mean, I'm very thankful, but I hope I continue to be a trusting voice. Uh, we got people like Senator Blanco uh, and other people that, that we're really trying to get El Paso to be on the map. But we need to get the community sort of focused all together. When we went to Detroit, you could get on any, and we went to Detroit and Pittsburgh to see what was going on. Uh, Pittsburgh was the lid to hell. That was their moniker. I mean, I mean, that's where they started from. And now they're a high technology, you know, they're one of the, they, they've turned it around. But if you get on an Uber, if you talk to anybody in the street, they sell Pittsburgh and Detroit to you. They'd love it, come to our town. We'd love to be, you know, for you to be here. That's what we need in El Paso. First of all, we have to enjoy what we have. And none of this, no hay nada que hacer. You know, nada que hacer. There is so many things to do. And then sell that to your family that come in to visit us. And let that family be ambassadors for us. And, and we're going to take off to the next level. But we want to regulate it properly. We don't want it to get out of hand where congestion and everything is is a, a big issue. So we're very conscientious, uh, you know, that, that we do it, uh, urban development in the right way. But I can tell you, anybody here in El Paso right now, you're in the best place in the country to be in. 
We're the strongest economy of all of Texas during the pandemic. That was with the borders closed. So you can imagine, open now the borders are open. We have the highest sales tax revenue in the history of the county. And we continue to do that. We're in a great place. And, and we continue. And, and you know what's interesting? I'm the guy who talks to the companies that come in and we're trying to, I'm the guy trying to close the deal like Amazon or those that we come <laughs> in. You know what they love? Our people. They always mention, oh my God, I fell in love with the people. The people treated me amazing. Let's not stop doing that. Let's teach our children because we don't know how that happened. We don't know how to bottle that. I don't know why people love us so much, you know, about how they love the people. They come here, they don't want to leave. But but I don't know if we're teaching our children to be the same because that's something that's going to be very valuable to El Paso. The people are always going to be what sells this community. It's the mountains, it's the weather, it's the big four-star hotels and all of that. But I can tell you the number one thing people tell us is that they love people, their dedication to work, their work ethic, the way they focus on their work, how task-oriented they are, and how much they want to learn. If we're able to keep that kind of spirit in our community, uh, we're untouchable. And as, as you know, in marketing, it's what you differentiate. Mm-hmm. How do we differentiate ourselves? By the people. But we got to get our other, other younger people to be the same way. You know, unentitled, hard workers, want to do the best and love, love their community. Yes, that, I don't know how that happened, but it happened. It's culture. It's part of the, our culture, too. You know? Our culture yeah. of families. Yeah. And, but we got to keep that going. Otherwise, we're going to lose out on, on a huge advantage. Oh, yeah. And Mr. Bosista, before Mr. Simon goes, do you have anything fast? fast, fast I, I just want to, again, as always, I want to uh, thank, thank Mr. Simon Uh He's a, a great person to listen to. He's got really, really great ideas. And it's no wonder that he's, he has no opponent um, because he's got, you know, he's got that heart. That one, and and I love the his attitude and uh, his ideas. And I just thank him for coming to our show. Well, thank you. It's a very, very kind words and very helpful. Sometimes uh, you sort of lose sight of of why you're doing what you're doing, but the people have been so nice and encouraged me to continue. And um, and you guys do some great work, and it's very valuable because we're never going to be a great community if we don't take care of everybody that lives in exactly. this country. But you know what's the funny, funny thing about this, Mr. Samanigo, and Mr. Bautista, really? This is what you're seeing now, folks. It's not him being a politician, you know, like everybody, oh, they change when they're on. He was, when we initially met, ooh, what, God, it's been a while, when I was at the workforce, uh, Mr. Samanego was one of the, the managers. Well, I mean, he's like one of the higher-ups, folks. I mean, he's one of the, you know, he, he could walk by and I say hi to you, you want to, okay, but he wasn't like that. And one day, I'm at my desk, and he sat down, started talking to me like, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And he listened. You know, because, I, even though I'm blind, I could tell when somebody's not listening. I could tell, and they're like, I could tell myself, oh, they're not listening. But Mr. Samanego, to then to now, uh, you know, you stay, you you've been the same. You haven't changed. I haven't seen it. So I pretty appreciate you staying okay. true to who you are. You know, when they say, uh, "What do you want people to say at your eulogy?" and that's one I would love that that people say that I wasn't that I'm the same person. You know, that I mm-hmm. didn't because I'm a county judge or. a I worked 15 years at uh, Cementos at Chihuahua and, you know, you get paid very well and you can really get into be- thinking that you're somebody 
you know. And, and yeah. somebody at my retirement said he came in the same and left the same. <laughs> to me, that was the biggest compliment because, you know, everything that I do, uh, it's God, and, and I'm a vehicle of God of, of trying to use my hands, my speech, my whatever I could do. So I never one time ever say, "Oh my God, I am," or I, I know I'm an instrument, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and I don't really feel that I'm anybody any different. I'm soy del barrio, este, and I don't know. I was thinking today that if the the uh, one of my teachers looked down and said, "County judge." Man, I thought he was going to be in Latuna, not it is. And so I'm very, I'm very fortunate to come from such a place and and then be in this position. But uh, every day I'm very blessed that you know keep your feet on the ground and reach for the stars, as they say. Amen to that. Amen Thank to that. That's a good way to finish this off. Say, Mr. Something, I do appreciate. Cause I know you're an extremely busy person to come on board and talk to. So you know what happens a lot of times, folks, is people with disabilities are kind of like. Eh. Second hand or man, uh, they don't want they don't want to bother. But thank you for doing that. No, thank you guys. You do a wonderful job, and I invite the community. Everywhere they want to come visit Commissioner's Court, or they want to come visit my office and, and look at the criminal justice. I, I love people to learn uh, on Commissioner's Court. I mean, the resolutions are like that make my day because we we're recognizing people and and stay tuned i mean it's amazing the people we recognize we recognize heroes we recognize organizations uh uh this is right now we're recognizing a women's month and uh, mm -hmm. also if you can make it to to the to pistoleros at the san elisario on the, uh with the six guns and whiskey uh event fundraiser is going to be fun uh, that's know, tomorrow it is tomorrow tasting okay. events and uh, everything else, uh, we're going to have some personalities there that uh, we'll be able to highlight. Uh, so, very, very a great opportunity for people to know about Sanelli. Sanelli is a seat of the county. Yes, sir. First county judge uh, was there, and um, you know I'm very proud to be one of that. You know, uh, tail end of that, but uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back in what the 1840s, 1850s. Yeah. So. Well, so, Mr. Samaniego, thank you, sir, so much. I, thank you. I salute you, Mr. Bautista. Thank you, sir, for coming on board, everyone. Bautista, thank you for watching. Thank and thanks, uh, everybody, you have a, uh, keep keep watching the show because they always manage to do something that's going to be important for for how you live. So, thank you. Thank both. you, sir. All right, thank, thank you, sir. You. Bye, everyone. Thank, thank you, Mr. Samaniego. Bye, bye. Adios.